Welcome to Believers Foundation. My name is Aches Opuda, and today I'll be sharing on the Believer's Diet, Living by the Word and Prayer. The Believer's Diet, Living by the Word and Prayer. I think a good way to start will be with a word of prayer, don't you think so? Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we ask that you speak to us from your word. We ask that you cause the light of your word to fall on our hearts. We, cause that, we ask that you cause the light of your word to shine upon our hearts. We ask that you cause faith to rise in our hearts, faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We ask also that you confirm your word with signs following in our lives. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, talking about the believer's diet, you know, there are two things in life that define us. The first is our nature. The second is our culture. There are two things that determine our outcomes in life, our nature and our culture. When we say nature, we're talking about who we are, who we are on the inside, who we are intrinsically, you know, and that determines what we can potentially be. When we talk about our culture, we're referring to what we do, how we live, how we conduct our lives, and that determines what we will eventually be. So our nature determines what we can potentially be, but our culture is what determines what we can potentially be. All right, and so if we look into scriptures, if we begin at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, come there with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All right, so if any man is in Christ, Scripture is saying he is a new creature. So we are new creatures. One translation says we are a new or a different species. That means, in essence, that we have a new nature. What is that nature? It's the nature of God. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. 2 Peter 1 4. It says here, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So what we're seeing in these scriptures, in essence, is that we're new creatures. We have a new nature. And that new nature that we have is the nature of God. So we have a new nature, the nature of God. We have the life and nature of God inside of us. All right, and so we need to understand that. Now, Let's also look at uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 3. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, sorry. Colossians 1.13. It says, Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son? So Colossians 1.13 is telling us that we have been translated from the power of darkness into the kingdom of of God's dear son. So we have moved. We have changed location. We are now in a new kingdom, and that new kingdom is the kingdom of God. You see, if, we, if I change location, you know, from Lagos, Nigeria, where I presently reside, to the United Kingdom, all right, when I get there, 
all right, I will have to make certain adjustments in how I live my life because every kingdom has its culture. All right, there's a way that we do things in Lagos, Nigeria, that is different from how they do it in the UK. You know, case in point, I know that here in Lagos, I drive left-handed vehicles on the right side of the road, all right? But if I have that translation or we change location to the UK, I have to learn to start driving right-handed vehicles on the left side of the road, all right? So I'm saying all this to further buttress that point that every kingdom has its culture. And so if we've changed locations from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, then this new kingdom where we now live in has its culture, hallelujah. So the kingdom that we belong to presently, the kingdom that we're living in and dwelling in presently is the kingdom of God. And every kingdom has its culture. The kingdom of God also has its culture. There's a way that things are done in the kingdom of light. There's a way that, you know, we conduct ourselves in the kingdom of God. So here's the deal. Our nature and our culture must complement each other. If we have a divine nature and do not have a complementing culture, we won't be able to walk in the fullness of the potential that we have. And so because we belong to a new kingdom, because we now have a new nature, God's life and God's nature, all right, the onus is on us to learn to live our lives, to learn to conduct ourselves, you know, in the way that complements the nature that we now have. Hallelujah. So let's look at the culture of the kingdom that we now belong to. What's kingdom culture for us believers? Hallelujah. Every kingdom has its culture. The kingdom that we belong to has, number one, a word culture. The kingdom of God that we dwell in, the kingdom of God that we now belong to, has a word culture. How do I mean? In the kingdom of God, the word of God is key. In the kingdom of God, the word of God is supreme. If we date back to go back to the beginnings in Genesis, we understand, you know, Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep spirit of God, moved upon the face of the waters, and nothing happened until God started speaking. All right? Um, 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 Hebrews 11 says, We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the word of God forms the foundation for how things are done in this kingdom. So we're saying, in essence, that in the kingdom of God, we have a word culture. What does that translate to for us? If we have a word culture, it means we must feed ourselves the word of God consistently. All right, so feed yourself the word of God consistently. Remember, we said our culture is what we do consistently. If you do it once in a while, haphazardly, you know, arbitrarily, it is not a culture. It's not a culture until it's something that is, you know, going on in, a, in your life repeatedly, on and on. All right, so feed yourself the word of God consistently. Emphasis on the word feed, because in the kingdom of God, the word of God is food for us. If you open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4, and also to Luke chapter 4 and verse 4, you'll find Jesus making almost the same statement in both verses. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Hallelujah. In the kingdom of God, we don't live, we are not nourished simply and singularly by natural food. No, we feed our nourishment 
nourishment comes from the word of God, all right? So the word of God is food for our spirit. The word of God is what feeds and nourishes the new nature that we have. And so we must have a kingdom culture of constantly, consistently, feeding ourselves on the Word of God. So feed yourself the Word of God consistently. F.F. Bothworth said several years ago, he said, many Christians feed their bodies three hot meals a day and feed their spirits one cold snack a week. And then they wonder why their faith is weak. All right? And so we need to feed our spirits with the word of God on a consistent basis. Notice he said you people begin to wonder why their faith is weak when they have not been feeding on the word. And that's because the word of God was designed to produce faith in the hearts of those that feed on it. Just like physical food. Okay, so if you take in carbohydrates, carbohydrates were, was designed or let me put it this way, your alimentary canal, your digestive tract was designed to break down carbohydrates and bring out glucose. In much the same way, the spirit of the believer is designed to break down the word of God and produce faith. So faith is the end product of the digestion of the word of God in the heart of a believer. As we feed on God's word, faith rises in our hearts. And listen, in the kingdom of God, faith is the legal tender. That's how we do things. That's how we exchange. That's how we buy. That's how we get things done. It's by faith. All right, so feed yourself the word of God on a consistent basis. We looked at Matthew 4, 4, where Jesus said that we looked also at Luke 4, 4. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, Peter said, he said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. As new, the same way a newborn baby will cry out for milk. He said, in that way, we should desire the milk of God's word because that's what's going to bring about growth. All right, so the sustenance and the growth of the new creation of the believer in Christ Jesus is a product of feeding on the word of God. You know, back in Sunday school, for those of you who went to Sunday school, we were taught the song, read your Bible, pray every day if you want to grow. You know, someone said years ago, that basics are basic, all right? You don't outgrow the basics. And so uh, this is several decades after I learned that song, all right, but it has not lost its meaning. The key to spiritual growth remains spending time feeding on the word and spending time in prayer. I think I'm beginning to go ahead of myself, but let's get back into what we're talking about. And so word culture, the kingdom of God has a word culture. The kingdom that we belong to has a word culture. Hallelujah. A culture of feeding on the word. So the next question you might want to ask is, how exactly do we feed on the word? Do we carry the pages of the Bible and start chewing on it? All right. So the word of God is spiritual food. All right. It's not the physical pages of the book. The word of God is food for our spirits. So how do we feed on the word of God? I'll give you a couple of things. Number one, by hearing and listening to the word of God. Hearing 
and listening to the Word of God is one of the first ways that we feed on God's Word. All right, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, it says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So every time we're hearing God's Word, we are feeding our faith. Our faith is being fed. Our spirit man is being fed with the substance called faith every time we hear the Word of God. And so one of the ways that we feed on God's Word is by hearing it. Has it occurred to you, Jesus said, and I quoted earlier, Matthew 4, 4, Luke 4, 4, it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. All right, so the words that are proceeding from my mouth in this broadcast, are they going into your mouth or into your ears? I'm sure they're going into your ears, all right? And so it means that the way we feed is with our ears. It's as those words are coming into our ears that our spirits are being fed, all right? So feed on God's word, number one, by hearing and listening to the word. Someone wants to ask, is there a difference between hearing and listening? Not much, all right? But hearing can be passive, all right? So I was in a bus and they were playing a particular song and I overheard it, all right? That's possible. But listening seems to be intentional, all right, for me to listen, like Proverbs 4, verse 20 says, it says, my son, pay attention to my words, incline your ears to my sayings, all right, so what does it mean to incline your ears? It means to tilt your ears in a particular direction. What does it mean to incline your ears? It means to position yourself in a way that you hear what I'm about to say. And so listening is more intentional, all right? You pay attention, all right, to listen. If someone is talking to you, for example, you know, you might be uh, hearing what the person is saying and not actively listening. You're not really paying attention. You can actually repeat what the person said to you, but you know that you've not been processing the words into thoughts that the person has been saying. You're not actively listening, all right? So listening is more intentional, okay, than, uh, than hearing. All right, but we're talking about the same thing. Focus on feeding yourself God's word by hearing it, by listening to it, by being intentional about the fact that you're hearing constantly the word of God. Hallelujah. All right, so what else? How else can we um, feed on the word of God? Okay, by reading, excuse me, reading and studying. Okay, till I come, First Timothy 4.13, Paul told Timothy, till I come, give attendance to reading. Till I come, pay attention to reading, to public reading of scriptures. Until I come, pay attention, you know, to this thing. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, Study to show yourself approved unto God, the workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. All right, so we need to feed on God's word by reading and studying. All right, so reading entails, you know, opening the pages of the Bible, or if you have it in, uh, on your device, you know, opening and just reading, reading those scriptures and saying them to yourself, or reading whatever is in the Bible, and we should have it again. We say, do this consistently, all right? So have a habit 
of spending time in the Word of God on a consistent basis by reading it. A daily reading plan is very, very helpful. All right, so the habit of just opening the Bible in the morning and just looking for something to read, okay, is not the best, okay? Find time, create time, you know, have a schedule that you use, okay, to read the Bible on a daily basis. So we feed on God's Word by hearing and listening. We feed on God's Word by reading and studying, all right? And so we also feed on God's Word by thinking and speaking, all right? By thinking and speaking, all right? So thinking on God's Word, another word for it is meditation, okay? So scripture says, for example, in 1 Timothy 4.15, Paul talking to Timothy, he said, meditate on these things, Give yourself wholly, entirely, completely to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Give yourself wholly, meditate, think on these things. Uh, Psalms 1 and verse 2, it says, um, uh, oh, let me start from verse 1. It says, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He meditates in the law of the Lord. He meditates in the word of God day and night. The next verse goes on to say, he will be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth his fruit in a season. One more if we find in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. It says, for then you will make your way prosperous and you would have good success. I think there's something interesting about these three scriptures concerning meditation. You know, they all have a reward attached to it. 1 Timothy 4.15 says your profiting will appear to all. Psalm 1 verse 2 says you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Joshua 1.8 says you will make your way prosperous. You will have good success. All right, and so meditation is one of the key practices, you know, of effective Christians. Spending time, you know, thinking, rolling the word of God in your mind and in your thoughts. All right, that's how it gets into your heart. That's how it takes root in your heart, okay? And then if we look at Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, it says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate on it. That tells me that the kind of meditation the scripture is talking about here is one that involves your mouth. Okay, that brings us to the speaking of God's word. When we're speaking God's word, on one hand, we're also meditating because your mind usually will pause to listen to what your mouth is saying. All right, and so saying God's word to ourselves, speaking and declaring God's word is one way of getting ourselves to think about it and to ponder on its truths. Okay, speaking God's word also is a way of ex expressing our faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul said there, he said, we having the same spirit of faith as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. That means the spirit of faith have this, has rather these two characteristics. It believes and it speaks. If you have the spirit of faith, you will believe and then you will 
you will speak. So the, the cycle of faith is incomplete without the speaking part. All right, so we should give voice to the word of God. We should keep declaring and keep speaking God's word. Romans chapter 10 from verse 9 to 10, it says, uh, let me open it so I don't quote it wrongly. I hope that's all right. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's with the heart that you believe, and it's with your mouth that you confess. Hallelujah. And so, Dora Copeland puts it this way. She says, faith ought to be in two places. It has to be in your heart, and it has to be coming out of your mouth. The speaking part of faith is very, very important. Mark eleven twenty three says, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that the things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. All right, so we should engage in the speaking, the declaring, the speaking forth of what we believe in God's word. All right, so how do we feed on God's word? That's what we're explaining here. We say, number one, by reading and uh, no, by hearing and listening. Number two, we say it's by reading and studying. Number three, we say it's by thinking or meditating and speaking. So the kingdom of God that we belong to has a word culture, a culture of feeding on the word of God consistently by what? Hearing and listening, by reading and studying, by thinking and speaking. The kingdom that we belong to also has a prayer culture. Part of the culture of the kingdom that we belong to is a prayer culture. That means you should exercise yourself in prayer consistently. Emphasis again on the word consistently. All right, exercise yourself in prayer on a consistent basis. Jesus said in Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, he said he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Jesus spoke a parable unto them to this end. In other words, this is the reason why Jesus spoke that parable, to communicate this truth to them, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. First Thessalonians Chapter 5, verse 17. It says, pray without ceasing. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Pray without ceasing. Ephesians chapter 6. One more scripture. Ephesians chapter 6. You know, the Bible says at the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So the first two words again, praying always. Men ought always to pray. Pray without ceasing. Praying always. That tells us that God expects prayer to be a lifestyle for us. Prayer is not supposed to be what we do when we have a need, what we do when there is a challenge and we need God's help. 
prayer primarily is supposed to be a lifestyle. You know, because first of all, prayer is communing with God. All right? And so we must ensure that the relationship that we have with God is being maximized by ensuring that we're constantly in communion with him. You know, Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. He says, after this manner pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. All right, in this manner pray. And he addressed the prayer to our Father. That means prayer is something we do in our, our, God is the one that we are communicating with when we're praying. So prayer is communing with God. What else is very important to note about prayer is that prayer changes things. Hallelujah. Prayer changes things. Come with me to James chapter 5. Very interesting scripture. James chapter 5 and verse 17. James chapter 5. I'll start from verse 16. It says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It makes a lot to happen. All right, it goes on in verse 17 to say, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Verse 18, and he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Okay, so this scripture is just telling us that prayer makes things happen. All right, and it gives us Elijah's example, and it's showing us what some of the things that prayer did. All right, so by the prayers of Elijah, it did not rain on the entire earth for three years. Hallelujah. And then when he prayed again, it started raining again. All right, so God is communicating to us in scriptures, all right, that prayer changed things. If there are things in your life that you desire to change, prayer is one of the tools that God has given to you to change it. What else about prayer? Prayer not only changes things, but prayer changes us. And I think this is very, very key. As a matter of fact, prayer often always, or prayer often, first of all, changes us before it changes our situations. You see, prayer is fellowshipping and communing with God. There is no way you will be in close fellowship with someone and certain things about that person's nature, certain things about that person's personality don't rub off on you. If you have close friends, after a while you find yourself using certain mannerisms or certain slangs and you realize you picked it from your your association with this person. Well, he who walks with the wise shall be wise, Proverbs 13, 20. In our relating and fellowshipping with God in the place of prayer, we pick on certain things from the nature and the personality of God, and we begin to change. You know, in the book of Luke chapter 9, come with me to Luke chapter 9, something interesting happened. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus took some of his disciples to pray, and in verse 29, I believe it is, the Bible says, and as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistering. As he prayed, in that place of prayer and communion and uh, fellowship with God, Jesus' countenance 
was altered. A change happened in the life of Jesus when he came into that place of prayer. And the same thing happens for us as well. Whenever we come to that place of communion and fellowship with God, things begin to change in us. God is banking on our prayer lives. God is banking on our coming into the place of fellowship with him for him to change certain things in our lives and bring us to the place where we constantly conform to the image of his son that lives inside of us. Hallelujah. So prayer changes things. Prayer changes us. All right. Lastly, I need to stress that prayer is best done with the help of the Holy Spirit. I'd like you to come with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Prayer is best done with the help of the Spirit. Romans 8, 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Hallelujah. All right, so the Spirit helps our infirmities, our weaknesses, in that we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. So this is the weakness, our inability to know what we need to pray for as we ought to know it. So the Holy Spirit helps that weakness, all right, in the place of prayer. So prayer is best done. We overcome the weaknesses in our limited knowledge in the place of prayer with the help of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. It says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, how be it in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. All right, so what does it mean to pray in the Spirit? What does it mean to pray with the help of the Spirit? This scripture gives us the answer. It says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue, it says, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. So whenever we're speaking in an unknown tongue, we are praying in the Spirit. Jude chapter 1 and verse 20. Jude chapter 1, the second to the last book of the Bible, chapter 1 and verse 20. It says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So again, I'm saying prayer is best done with the help of the Holy Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit help us in the place of prayer? Is by speaking in other tongues. The Bible says the Spirit gives us utterance when we're speaking in other tongues. We're praying with the help of the Holy Spirit. We're praying out mysteries. We're building ourselves up. Hallelujah. And so I want to encourage you with this word. You belong to a new kingdom now. You have a new nature now. All right? And so this is the culture of the kingdom that we now belong to. We have a word culture and we have a prayer culture. I think a good way to end this broadcast will be to practice for a minute or two what we have just learned. All right? We talked about speaking the word of God. Why don't you go ahead right where you are and declare what God's word says about you? You know, the Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why don't you say that about yourself? Say with me, I am God's righteousness. Say with me, I'm healed from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet in every 
part of my being, say all things are working together for my good in the mighty name of Jesus. Once again, I'd like to say thank you for joining this broadcast. Have a lovely day.